If you're ready to elevate your level of care and professional satisfaction, register today for the trusted DPC event that can help get you where you want to go. With three physician-led tracks focusing on starting a DPC practice, growing a DPC practice, and clinical expertise within a DPC practice, the Direct Primary Care Summit has content for anyone no matter where you are in your DPC journey. The DPC Summit is happening June 20th to 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Learn more and register today at dpcsummit.org. Direct primary care is an innovative alternative path to insurance-driven health care. Typically, patients pay their doctor a low monthly membership and, in return, build a lasting relationship with their doctor and have their doctor available at their fingertips. Direct primary care means that I can do what I was called to do with freedom and without people telling me how to do my job. I'm Dr. Janet Arribas of Baha'i Medical, and this is my DPC story. Dr. Janet Arribas attended medical school at Kansas City University of College of Osteopathic Medicine and graduated in 2004. She did her internship year residency from 2004 to 2005 in the Bronx, New York, followed by a surgical residency from 2005 to 2009 at Far Rockaway, New York, which is in Queens. She then took a hiatus and was employed as a medispa doctor on a cruise ship and was employed as an osteopathic medical director for a chiropractor later on. From 2012 to 2015, she completed her family medicine residency in Lancaster, Ohio, and then achieved her family medicine board certification. After residency, she worked at a benefits organization that served a prominent union in New York City for three and a half years and also worked at a strictly house call-based service for a few months. After choosing to leave that position, she immediately accepted a pandemic assignment with a locum's company, but unfortunately it fell through and she was left with a lot of extra time on her plate. With that extra time, she decided to work on launching Baha'i Medical. She founded Baha'i Medical PC with a soft launch in July of 2019 and officially opened her doors in October of 2019 on Broadway. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Arrivas. Thank you. It is such an honor to be speaking with another female Filipina physician. Thank you. Your journey to family medicine has been very different than the standard journey that, that people usually have. And I wanted to, to see if you could share with us about how you went from a surgical residency to then completing a family medicine residency. Oh my gosh. Okay. So um, I believe it's a symptom of my ADHD. <laughs> um, everything is, I go where I feel like I'm being called to go. And this, this goes all the way back to even college. In college, I actually graduated in an advertising degree in journalism. Um, and then I, I liked the PR course that I took during that program. And the professor was a PR um, counselor for a healthcare organization for the hospital, actually. And so I thought, okay, well, maybe I can do something more in healthcare, but on the business side of it. And so then I got a master's in health administration. And then it was like an epiphany one day because uh, for my internship, I worked for a family medicine program trying to develop their policy manual. 
And the program director asked if I if I could follow one of the residents one day and see exactly what it is that I'm making policies for, right? And so when I followed him that day, uh, just the way he interacted with the patients and everything, I was just like blown away. I was just like, this is what I want to do, you know? And the, and to me, it was like a calling from God. And so uh, then I pursued the, my, my medical career. And even in med school, it was kind of <laughs> a rough road also. And I, I had no aspirations to go into surgery until I did my first rotation, which was a surgical rotation. And I just absolutely loved it. It was like, my the operating room was my favorite place to be, you know. So I went through that residency for like three and a half years. But I started like I, I mean I expected a um, a certain amount of malignancy, but I felt like towards the end, and I don't know if it was also due to lack of sleep or whatever. I felt like I was getting bullied, and so I had a meltdown, and and I just basically quit in the guise of a medical leave. And so I took a three and a half year hiatus from, from that, did some soul searching, essentially, because I didn't have, you know, any background, like any graduation or board certification to practice, the the choices were limited, right? So I ended up working as a medispa doctor on a cruise ship. Um, And it was only a six month contract. And even though like, I literally made no money, (laughs) like, I I think I made $1,000, literally, gross that whole entire contract, which was six months. Um, it helped me rebuild my self-esteem. It gave me confidence in myself again as a physician. And so when I finally got offshore, I would have done it a, over again, but it just didn't make enough money for me to pay rent. So I then ended up uh, with a chiropractor because I'm an osteopath. So I worked as their medical director for uh, their practice. Um, and I also did osteopathic manipulation, but it was just, it was only that one thing. And I just didn't feel like I was doing too much medicine. And I, so I, I felt like I wasn't in the right state. So I decided to go back to residency and I consulted with my friends, you know, friends that I went to med school with that were really close to me that really knew who I was as a person, my personality. And, and also, you know, friends from, from the surgical residency even. And I was like, okay. And and all this time, this hiatus time, I started realizing, oh my God, I can do a lot more than just surgery. Like during that time I was volunteering, I was like attending events, you know, and I was having the time of my life actually. And, And so I realized that as much as I love surgery, I love my lifestyle just maybe a centimeter, maybe even a millimeter more than I love surgery. So that's when I asked my friends and asked them, you know, what do you think would be a good fit for me? And they said, well, it would either be anesthesia or uh, family medicine. And I was like, well, why family medicine and not internal medicine? And they're like, because with family medicine, you can do all the procedures you want and you don't need all of those certifications to do them. And I was like, oh, okay, so that's, that's a good concept. And so I applied to both for residency. And I ended up getting accepted to a family medicine residency in Ohio. And um, the rest is history from there. I haven't looked back and regretted that decision that I made. 
I love it. And again, it's such a unique journey. Everyone's journey is unique, but I find that, you know, thinking back on my days in residency, that is not easy. And the idea that you, you know, were near completion of a surgical residency and then a family medicine residency, that that's a lot. It was also survival too, because I, I, I have a $300,000 student loan debt. I was like, I didn't, I don't, unless I win the lottery, which with my kind of luck, that that's never going to happen. <laughs> um, I had to do something to make myself, you know, give myself a livelihood. I mean, the osteopathic medical director just didn't pay enough, you know, and also it didn't, it didn't give me inspiration either. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Your calls for more content have not fallen on deaf ears. I am so excited to announce the My DPC Story Patreon community. Delve into exclusive full-length interviews with pioneers like Dr. Niti Kapoor, our inaugural physician guest, and get further enlightening insights from our current season's doctors, starting with Dr. Harpreet Sui. Hear our guests share even more, from their worst days to their best days and everything in between. Get access to this treasure trove of conversations and more by joining our My DPC Story community now. Check out the link in the show notes or go to patreon.com forward slash my DPC story fan. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash my DPC story fan. At what point along your journey did you learn about direct primary care? So I was starting to get burnt out from my first job after residency, which was working for the uh, union for their benefits fund. And I knew I, I knew that the only answer was to go independent, but I didn't think I had an entrepreneurial spirit. And so I always hesitated, even in a pre-contemplative phase, like I, I hesitated even thinking that I that this was a possibility for me. But then one day, and I don't remember what bookstore it was, but it was almost, again, like, I, I feel like these are signs from God, but like I, I saw on display and it wasn't even on display. It was like in the rack somehow, but um, the front cover, um, the Doug for uh, the guide to starting your own direct primary care practice, yeah. but where I go. So that, so I, I looked at it and I, I browsed through it and, and, it, and you know, it's a simple read, right? And the language, you know, also speaks to me. And I was like, you know what? He makes it sound like this actually can be done. And I wouldn't have to feel like I was feeling. <laughs> so, so I bought the book. I read it religiously through. And, I, and, so, and then that's when I started the journey on deciding on direct primary care. Like, this is how I'm going to be able to go independent. You know, because I knew with fee-for-service, I would still have to see 25 patients in a day in order to make the overhead. And I didn't want to do that. I was like, I might as well just work for a corporate and then give me my benefits and stuff like that. You know, because if I was independent practice fee for service, I, I wouldn't have the benefits. I'd have to provide my own benefits. So that's, you know, that revelation is what actually started my journey into direct primary care. And I have loved that decision ever since. How cool is that? I can just picture you walking on the street. I mean, you are in the, the heart of the entertainment industry on the East Coast, but 
the idea that you were just walking and you saw this book, it sounds like something out of a movie plot, you know? Yeah, I was, it was like kismet or something like that. I don't know. Or a sign from God. Who knows? I want to ask you about the name of your practice, because for some people, the name of their practice comes in a dream. For some people, it takes months and months of brainstorming. How did you come up with the name of your practice? So Baha'i Medical is my homage to my Filipino roots, first off. Um, How I came about it was I was thinking, okay, I need a unique name because I want this name to grow. I don't want it just, you know, like New York Medical Group or Dr. Janet Arriba's Medical Group. You know what I'm saying? I don't want anything generic like that. I wanted it to grow and expand. And I mean, you hear these things like forward, one medical, you know, with these unique names, right? And I wanted it to become a brand eventually. So uh, I, I was thinking of terms. I looked up family and what family meant in Tagalog and um, all these other terms. And somehow I came upon, what about home? You know, like patient-centered medical home. You know what I'm saying? Um, because that's the whole idea of my practice is it's going to be patient-centered and I'm going to try to do what uh, all that I can for them, right? So that's how I came up with the name Baha'i. Because um, I wanted it to feel like it was home. I want my patients to feel so comfortable with me that they're talking to either their nanai, which means mother, or their lola, which means grandmother. And the more comfortable they are with me, the more I believe that they'll be more forthcoming with me and trust me and want to continue a relationship with me. So, and then I ran it by a few people and asked them what they thought, of course, because I'm not just going to willy-nilly it. Um, and everyone loved it. They said that was that's a great name. I I, I think it's awesome. So here we are with Baha'i. <laughs> it's beautiful. And especially, you know, being Filipino myself, to me, it absolutely embodies home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With that idea that your patients are your extended family, you decided to focus on a pretty interesting niche of your community. When you were creating this medical home for your patients, when you developed the practice name and you called it Baha'i Medical, who did you envision as your ideal patient? Because New York is so big. And also I, with my marketing slash advertising background, you want the most return on your investment, right? And so, um, so it's not about, you know, throwing whatever, uh, whatever spaghetti to the wall and see if it sticks. It's you target the right audience and, and you work on that, right? And so during the pandemic, I don't know if you're familiar with Pam Weibel. She's a big advocate for uh, mental health for physicians. Um, and she, she was having these free sessions also, especially ones for young entrepreneurs or something like that or startups. And so I took one of her um, sessions and one of the exercises she had us do was name your ideal patient. Who would be your ideal patient? It maybe it could be somebody in your past that uh, you know that you loved. It has to be somebody that you always look forward to them coming in, right? And so that reminded me of the actors, the Broadway actors and dancers that used to come into my practice, and I always had like a great rapport with them. 
And I also would give them advice. Like I remember uh, one dancer, I said, you should do the cruise ship that will like totally sprint your, your, your career. And I had a soft spot in my heart for the actors for some reason. And then I realized, you know, upon researching some more uh, that this is a group that actually could use direct primary care. Forget the pandemic, you know, but the reason why direct primary care works so well for them is because, you know, usually they're a type of gig industry. Their income is never steady to lose health care and then gain health care, lose health care. You know, that that doesn't give you a good continuation of care. And so what makes direct primary care good for them was my thought is that they can afford it every month, you know, and still remain the same whether they have an, a, a gig or not. You know, you see what I'm saying? Um, so that was my thought process and why this would be a great market, you know. And on top of that, osteopathic medicine, especially for the dancers, you know, that can be used a lot for their aches and pains. Um, and it's easy. It's simple. I mean, at least for me, it's easy and simple and, um, and totally appreciated. And then, and then furthermore, I started realizing by doing more research that they actually do feel marginalized here in New York City, especially since the pandemic, because they're not acting because, you know, the whole industry has been basically shut down, right? They can't even do side gigs or whatever. They have to work back in the restaurants uh, or whatever their part-time job is. And so from what I, how I understood it is they couldn't afford their union dues. And also the unions as well couldn't figure out how to negotiate, how to keep their uh, healthcare contracts. And so right now they're just basically in limbo trying to get healthcare until they get their jobs back. And I'm like, oh, you know, that's, that's that's why I'm here. And so I just need to let them know that I'm here for them. With the vaccines rolling out, I, I do hope that the community that, you know, because I'm a big believer in that we need arts uh, in our life. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. My, yeah, my elementary school was based on arts and sciences. That, that was the main focus of our elementary school. And I, I think that when things are presented through an artistic portrayal, it's very different than, you know, a scientific portrayal of something, for example, right? And we are doctors. So we think in in one way, but when we expand our, our ability to think in, in different ways, in artistic ways, I think we also bring out different parts of us to talk with patients, to relate to patients. And so I really hope that that is going to be the case, that the lights on Broadway are going to be shining as bright as they were before. And I really hope that, um, because it, it makes sense, like you're saying, an osteopathic doctor working with a Broadway performer or a performer in general uh, physically makes a lot of sense, right? Because that's that's a demanding idea to be performing every single night, sometimes multiple times a night. Yeah. And also the mental health is another prominent thing amongst the entertainment industry, because you have to have a tough skin to, to deal with rejection. I don't shy away from treating mental health either. You know, I just think that it, it's a good fit for me as well. And also, I, I'm not judgmental to, as far as LGBTQ, you know, I, I mean, we're all God's children. So um, and and I feel like I, I get all, get along with that community a lot. Some of my best friends are LGBTQs. 
I love that inclusivity. And I feel that especially after 2020, we can all learn from each other in terms of you might not be of a certain religion or a certain ethnicity or a certain group, but listening and hearing experiences from that other group, I think expands our own world knowledge and our own understanding of humanity. And it makes me think that if a patient is going from this covered by insurance, not covered by insurance, a roller coaster rather that you're describing to then find somebody like yourself who is there um, for the long haul and who, you know, is, is able to work with a patient and develop a relationship with them versus potentially not knowing who you're going to see when you show up into a fee for service type of clinic. I'm sure that just that could help provide reassurance when it comes to mental health status, if that makes sense. Yeah. And actually, you know, you just gave me a good marketing idea. So (laughs) I think I'm going to expand upon that. Maybe that might help. Love it. When you mentioned earlier that you like doing different things and family medicine allowed you to be able to be your own boss under the DPC model and do the general scope type of practice. What is it about DPC that makes you so excited and makes you stay under the DPC umbrella? I think it's just because I can dictate uh, what services I can provide. So, you know, eventually I'm hoping to provide, you know, IV infusion. I'm hoping to provide functional medicine. I'm hoping to provide, re-provide my Medispa services. Um, And I can build upon that. And honestly, my ultimate goal is to eventually do like a mobile unit And honestly, I feel like that also would be a kind of a cool thing to have for the acting community because I can always go on location to see them, especially since if I provide house calls or or work call, whatever, that's what I'd love to do eventually is have a mobile unit also to increase the access to, to my patients. So it's interesting that you say that because I was just listening to a podcast where they were discussing the status of the subway system in New York and how just by the subway system's usage and development and how the maintenance is going, that it, it could potentially be limiting to access particular industries, particular um, people, if the subway were or were not working uh, on a particular day. And so the idea that you could be mobile, despite what the subway system is doing is pretty interesting because you're located in New York City. Right, right, exactly. I mean, I've I've been through that before where, you know, I, I'm late for work or something like severely late for work because something happened on the train or something, you know. And and I like the idea of being able to provide that access for them, like give them a variety of ways that they can reach me, so to speak. And in terms of your practice right now, how is your patient population and what access do you have in place as of this interview for your patients to get a hold of you? Uh, um, well, okay. So my patient population is only one <laughs> and she's not even in the acting or entertainment community. She was actually a, a, a referral from a former patient of mine, <laughs> which is great because that's word of mouth, right? Uh, but what I'm providing so far for access is I have a, a, a brick and mortar office space. Um, 
And also I'm providing telemedicine. I provide a portal. I, I'm using the Spruce app for texting. So hopefully those variety of ways will be appealing to people who want this near unlimited access. I don't want to say unlimited because legally, I don't think I can say that in New York, but <laughs> but for this near unlimited access to them or variety of access anyway. Now, with you sharing about your current population of one patient and the ways your patient can communicate with you, I really, I, I love that you are sharing your story because I feel that this is a check-in time. Like this is, this is how you are today. And it's also a place to reflect on as you change your practice. But when you were saying earlier that, you know, you are in this to be your own boss, do you have any fears as of today? Oh yeah. Anxiety. I, I, I get anxiety attacks nearly every day, <laughs> but, but um, I think what keeps me going is my faith in God, because I honestly, to me, this was a calling. All the signs were pointing in this direction when I, with the first epiphany on becoming a doctor, you know, and um, what another, I didn't mention this earlier, but another sign that I felt that I had in order to go on my own was I actually, um, a friend of mine said, Dr. J, you have to you have to go to this conference. It was a Filipino summit for entrepreneurs. <laughs> okay. And, and so I was like, okay. So I signed up for it thinking that she was going to go with me, but she said, no, I'm too busy. I can't go. And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> so, but um, I went anyway and, you know, and met some famous Filipinos like Nicole Ponseco, who owns Jeepney, <laughs> you know, which by the way, she's an awesome person. But that was also a kick in the butt saying, yeah, you can do this. I feel like I get these little nuggets of encouragement to keep going. I mean, the practice hasn't died. It's in the NICU right now. <laughs> you know, I mean, it is a startup, so it's a baby, but it's in the NICU and it's bleeding. But, <laughs> you know, I believe that it's going to turn around. I truly believe it's going to turn around um, until I get that sign saying you need to stop. Uh, I, I'm not going to stop because I feel like there is a need and I have to provide it. So that's what keeps me going on it. As you've said already, freedom is a huge, is a yeah. huge driver for you. And I love that you have an advantage because you are not having to balance so many patients at once that you really are able to have such a personal relationship with your patients and check in with them to say, Hey, you know, this is the communication platform that we're using. How do you like it? What could be better? And then as the word of mouth spreads, because I'm, I'm over here rooting that it will spread, um, that you have built in something that is, is just very easy for people to adapt to once they join your practice. I'm hoping, I'm hoping and praying. <laughs> I'm also constantly thinking of like different types of packages I could provide. I was hoping to do it simple, but I think I have to give more options, you know, eventually. So I, I do, I hear you on that. And it's very interesting because there are, you know, it, every DPC is very different, but there are a lot of DPCs who are doing uh, pricing by age group. 
because, and it makes sense, like the older you get, the more likelihood that you're going to have um, more health issues, more medical issues. But the idea of a package, somebody told me about, they, they brought to my attention that DPC is very much in the realm of relationship-based medicine. Yeah. And so when a person is developing a relationship, one idea is to consider doing pricing based on those relationships. So for instance, if a patient is having uh, a baby and a DPC physician is offering a fourth trimester package, what happens if the mom and the baby want to join and there's three kids at home that are also needed care? How do you adapt to that type of situation? Right? So yeah, I think that that package idea could really be expanded to your niche because you are developing those relationships. So you'll find out what works for you. Exactly. And I mean, also another thing I'd like to say that I'm looking forward to is just literally spending more time with my patients. You know, I mean, that, that was the one thing that uh, my one patient really liked about, you know, her interactions with me is that, you know, I spent the time to really try to figure out what's going on with her. You know what I'm saying? And also get to know her history and stuff like that. And not have to feel rushed about it. I think my first appointment, uh, you know, ended up being almost like two hours long. And also that's another thing. No worries if you have a no show, (laughs) you know, it's not like lost revenue. If you have a no show, like there's so many perks and benefits that people don't realize with having this type of practice. Now, in terms of where you are with your practice and also how you mentioned the amount of loans that you, you're also carrying, do you have a, a job on the side to support your DPC? Yeah, I am working um, part-time. Um, it was kind of hard trying to find, because at first I was doing locums, but then they wanted me to be their primary doctor, right? And it's like, I can't build relationships when, you know, when I'm only doing this temporarily. And and also at the, you know, restrictive covenant and also, you know, contract, you know, I can't mention my practice to them to continue the relationship. So I ended up finally finding this private medical group that is happy that I'm osteopathic, one, and two, is okay with me doing part-time. And three, they have a unique way of delivering primary care that I haven't seen anywhere else, which I personally, I think that the owner of the group should probably patent his, his, uh, his uh, methods. But um, I am able to see a high volume for him in one day and not feel like I'm totally burnt out or like I didn't do anything for the patient. Like it's, it's really, I never realized, not that I'm going to switch over one day because I'm not making any revenue with DPC, but because it's still not my style. I still like, you know, to be able to have a, you know, a friendly relationship with a, a patient, you know? And so, um, so it, it's good. Like it, it, and it pays the bills. Um, I'm only working three days a week. And it's not a 12 hour, three days a week. It's an eight hour, three days a week. So um, I'm pretty satisfied. I, you know, I don't see myself walking out on this one 
anytime soon, which, you know, my last job before this, I literally like, I think three or four months in, I was just like, I, I can't handle this anymore. Because I just felt like those people were trying to, I felt like they were trying to police me, than actually letting me do a healthcare. I don't know how to explain it. But they were more about like, it was a house called job previously. And they were more about where are you? And, um, you know, this pay, th- th- your next patient has been calling, where are you? You know, always asking me where, where I'm located at. Well, that last patient was complicated. So I had to stay, you know, or we're on route. They were more concerned about that than they were really about me taking care of the patients. In my opinion, I was like, you know what, this is, this is not working out for me. Yeah. And, and then also them trying to call me out saying, well, you were at this location because we have GPS on you. <laughs> and um, it took you this long to get to your next patient. So what were you doing? And it's like, I was charting, you know, <laughs> or uh, I, you know, we were on route, you know, or I was, I was doing my administrative stuff, like looking at labs and stuff like that. <laughs> You know, like there, it's not like I'm not working. It's not like I'm like, I went to the park and had a picnic with my dog, you know? <laughs> so it just, it's that their mistrust in me also turned me off. But this, but this new place, you know, I, I feel like it, I feel like it's a pretty, pretty good fit. So we'll see how it goes. I'm glad that it's a much better fit than, than what you described, because just hearing that I, I in the back of my head, I'm like, I'm doing my work. Like, that's what I I can picture you saying, because like, leave me alone, that type of mentality, because that's that's annoying. Just hearing what you're sharing. I mean, half the time was wasted just arguing with them. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and I would even point it out. You're, you're wasting our time by arguing with me on this right now. You know, it was just disrespectful in my opinion. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Thank you to Spruce Health for supporting the My DPC Story podcast. The ways we communicate have changed dramatically over the past decades, but technology and tools in healthcare have not kept pace. Patients want more access and digital convenience, as well as the ability to text their care teams. Care teams are inundated with more communication and rising expectations, but are still using tools and technology stuck in prior decades. Spruce Health created a solution for the tech-forward DPC practice by creating a communication product designed to serve both the patient and the doctor through intuitive HIPAA-compliant workflows, tagging, scheduled messages, and triage templates ready for use, whether you're on your phone or in the exam room. New users get 20% off for the first 12 months of a paid plan with code MARYAL20. That's M-A-R-Y-A-L-2-0. So check out Spruce Health today at sprucehealth.com or check out the link in the show notes. Going forward from this podcast, what is your plan of attack in terms of increasing the patient population for your practice? People's opinions, you know, I always listen to people like even just in conversation, like even like me talking to my neighbors, like when I'm walking my dog in the park, everyone says you just need to market yourself. Your, 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 your idea is great. You know, it, you just need to get that your, your the word out that you're available. And, uh, and I was like, I know, 
So, I mean, I, that's what I've been working on, but it's, it's kind of hard for me, you know, because like on my days off and me being, me being by myself and not having a business manager, I've already gone through two business managers to tell you the truth. Um, but because I, I can't really afford one. Um, I don't think that, uh, I, you know, their commitment to me isn't quite so strong. Right. And so me doing everything by myself is really difficult and difficult for me to decide, well, now what's my priority? Should I apply for CLIA today? <laughs> you know, like it, it's down to the little things like that. Like, um, uh, and then, and then like, oh, shoot, I have to file for taxes now, you know? <laughs> and um, so I know marketing will start bringing in the revenue, but prioritizing when I do that is what's hard. And then also once I prioritize when I do that, it's like, well, how do I do it? Do you know, <laughs> like, how am I going to approach it? I mean, so far, I mean, I've done a few things like, you know, I, I've got the word out. I get my business cards. Um, I'm putting displays of flyers. Like I, I I'll, like there's a Filipino grocery store in uh, what's called the East village or actually it's called alphabet city in New York city. Um, that I, I put like a few of my, I asked them if I could put a few of my flyers there, um, uh, in my neighborhood. I also, there's a, there's a local, um, uh, brunch restaurant, you know, and he said, oh yeah, totally go ahead. You know, put those there. It's not, and, and, and also a few urgent care centers. I've, you know, asked them, Hey, can I leave my flyers for people? Like in case you have people that, uh, don't have a primary care doctor or, um, don't have insurance, you know, you can give them this. And so, you know, I've been working on that. Um, what I'm hoping to do when the weather gets warmer is maybe uh, do a table display, you know, or maybe uh, ask the farmer's market if I could have a table display, just, you know, promoting information, maybe even make it more of an informational on one certain thing, something that people might be interested in. And, and that way, promoting myself at the same time. I have all these ideas. It's just, it just needs to happen. And also I was thinking also, you know, like getting a video, like I have a friend who's a video producer or who graduated with a video production degree. And so like hitting him up, asking if he could help me create a video for me so that I could put it on my website. Uh, I'm also thinking maybe I can bring in foot traffic by giving myself a little bit more certification. Like I was, considering doing like a uh, uh, doing uh, department of transportation certifications. Cause I, I you know, I, I've been told that those guys will literally pay top dollar just to get their certification so that they can continue their work. So, and they'll pay cash for it, you know? So, um, so there's a, there's a lot of ideas to bounce around as long as my, anxiety doesn't petrify me and <laughs> which sometimes it does because then I'm like frozen and I don't know where to start you know um but if as long as I, I always I figure you know um as long as I do like something you know then I know I'm still on the right path you know I think those are very powerful words the the idea that as long as you do something it's reassurance that you you can do this, that you're not allowing yourself to freeze. And, you know, it's okay to freeze too, because that, that can happen. And, and yeah. you've proven that you, you get 
past those freezing points, right? Because you have continued on with, you know, pursuing your dream of this DPC serving a particular niche and doing medicine the way you want it to. I I just want to put here something that Dr. Sharon George shared with me once, because this idea of too many things going on and not knowing what not knowing which one you're going to pursue next and then being overwhelmed to the point that you freeze. It's a very real thing. And I, I think that there are lots of people who can relate to that um, at whatever point they are on, at, on in their journey to, to do DPC. But what she shared with me was, and I'm a very visual person. So this is what really, it, it, it stuck for me, was that all of these things that one might be balancing, uh, you know, your marketing, your, how are you going to do marketing? Uh, how are you going to do a mobile service? What will you carry in your bag? Who are you going to talk to next? What are you going to say for your elevator speech? I mean, the, the thoughts can go and go and go, but the idea of that, all of those thoughts are sticks and leaves floating on a river and your duty is to take one of those sticks or one of those leaves and, hold it, cherish it, work it out, and then move on from there. I thought that that was very powerful for not just, you know, entrepreneur thoughts, but just life in general, right? Right, right. That's a good thought. I like that. I'll use that as a mantra. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that when she shared that, um, just hearing that and visualizing that, and especially a flowing river because I, I feel that life is always flowing. It's very calming to me at least. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I mean, your podcasters can't see it, but if you see my zoom video right now, it's like, that's Lake Michigan and you can see the waves from Lake Michigan. But, um, but yeah, I mean, also I, I will have to say that I, I, I thank God that I have like good support. Like, not just from non-medical people like my neighbors and stuff like that, but also, you know, my my um, my my friends from residency and med school, and they're all inspirations to me. They they're like, yeah, you keep going. This is what you have to do, you know. And um, as long as they believe in me, still, you know, then I I still believe in me. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, all these people in my life are definitely big inspirations for me and support. And I thank God for them. Now, given the fact that you are a a female Filipina doctor, do you have any particular resources that you referred to in your own journey that helped get you to where you are today? Um, Definitely that group uh, PH PH time is now. Uh, There's a Facebook uh, page for them. Uh, it's uh, run by this woman named uh, Carissa Viacor, and she she goes. I mean, New York was the first place, but now she goes all over the country having these summits of entrepreneurs. And I mean, and she brings in like famous people. Like, in fact, actually, I think for ours, she had the actor. I don't know if you are familiar with with the uh, series Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the boyfriend, <laughs> he was one of the mentors at her, at at my summit. And so she puts these people together to encourage, you know, entrepreneurs to keep going and, you know, and all this stuff and, and also create networks 
for people, especially in the Filipino community. That's one big thing as a as a Filipino that uh, has helped me. Also, my family. Granted, my family is in Kansas City, uh, but but um, I know they did, they try to promote me also as as much as I can. Um, I know that um, what helped me get into med school was doing a medical mission with the Filipino community in Kansas City. Those kind of resources um, help me. Also, you know, just getting involved with and Filipino things here in New York City, like going to the Filipino grocery store in Alphabet City, you know, eating at Nicole's restaurant at Jeepney, you know, um, and, and other Filipino restaurants, of course, as well. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I can never say no to good Filipino comfort food. So those are my resources as far as particularly the Filipino co- community. So I just think that they're that your words and what you've shared are, are meaningful and relatable to others. So I want to ask That's there, I'm hoping. <laughs> yeah. the reality of it. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and on that note, what is the best way for others to reach out to you if they want to talk about where they are actively or just toss ideas back and forth with you? Uh, what is the best way for others to get a hold of you? They can they can reach me at my website, www.bahaimed.com. That has all the information. That that would be the easiest way to get a hold of me, you know, and I I, I respond. There's a there's a DPC doctor um, who's starting up here in New York also. Um, I'll put in a plug in for her, Lauren Weber. And um, I actually met her. She reached out to me. Uh, through my website and sent me an email and I responded out back to her. And, and now we're both tossing each other's ideas and also even just hanging out as friends. So yeah, the, the best way would be just to get my information from the website. And if I know you're not an advertisement, I, <laughs> I'll definitely get back to you because I could use all the support I could get. So thank you so much, Dr. Rivas, for joining us today. Thank you, Marielle. Next week, look forward to hearing from Dr. Melissa Mandala and Dr. Micah Yu of Dr. Lifestyle Clinic in Newport Beach, California. If you like what you heard today, please leave a review and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tell your friends, too. For more information on this episode and much more, please visit mydpcstory.com. Also, for the latest in DPC news, check out dpcnews.com. Until next week, this is Marielle Conception.